Imagine for a moment that you're at a municipal band concert at the Bandshell Park down in Ames. Lots of people have gathered to listen. The conductor and the band are all ready to go. And they launch into their first piece, and all of a sudden, this huge gust of wind out of nowhere scatters all of their music. <laughs> and uh, they... They, they grab what, you know, some, some of the sheets end up on the floor, some of them end up out in the audience, some are floating away on the breeze, and the conductor and the musicians quickly grabs, you know, whatever pages they can, and they keep playing by memory, but their pages are out of order. Some are missing. Uh, some of the clarinets have trombone music. Some of the trumpets have pages from the piccolos, uh, and... The conductor continues to keep time, and, but isn't quite sure uh, where they are or when to cue the different sections. And the whole band seems a little lost. They remember the music, but they have trouble finding their way through it. The music sounds out of tune and a little off, and as the piece comes to an end, the different parts just kind of trail off one by one, uncertain of what they're supposed to play. Sometimes our world sounds like we've lost the music. You listen to the nightly news, and it's, you hear so many stories of violence, problems between people, hurricanes, other disasters, nations at war, and families torn apart. Sometimes in our own lives, we feel like we've forgotten the melody. We ask questions like, why am I here? What am I doing? How do I make sense of the mess that I see in my life and in the world around me? We've lost our way. We don't know how to make things right. In his book, Simply Christian, N.T. Wright talks about yearnings that we have for things that tend to slip through our fingers. Justice, relationships, spirituality, and beauty. We want justice and harmony in the world, but our, you know, the people around us in our world are, is filled with injustice and violence and discord and hatred. We want peace in our relationships, but and in our families, and in our communities, but we have a terrible time getting along with each other. We hold on to grudges. We say and do things that we regret later, that, and we let resentment build up until it spills over and affects everybody around us. We yearn for something outside ourselves, a deeper connection with our spirituality, but we don't know what to make of the vastly different, conflicting convictions people have about God and faith. And we see beauty all around us, but it seems fleeting and incomplete. I think of Key West right now, what an idyllic place that is, and it's being torn apart by a hurricane. We want life and beauty and love to last, but it all slips through our fingers. What do we make of our yearning for things to be set right? 
Are we just daydreaming about what's impossible? Or are we hearing the echoes of a voice? A voice that speaks to us of a new beginning, of relationships healed, and a world renewed. Our music has been out of tune for a long time. We're like sheep that have wandered off on our own paths, like a a band who can't remember the music because the pages are all mixed up. But God is not content to let the music trail off incomplete. You see, God created our world good and set us in charge of it, to tend it like a garden, to live in harmony with Him and with each other and with all of creation. We messed it up. Our rebellion against God's design and plan led to jealousy, violence, and destruction. We lost our way and ended up far from home. So God chose to start over with one couple, Abraham and Sarah. God promised to use their family to bring the whole world back into harmony. But along the way, the people who were supposed to help set things right became part of the problem. The story of Israel and their story is our story and the story of our world is a story of going away and coming back home, of slavery and exodus, of exile and restoration, of being lost and being found. We need to be reminded of the arc of the whole story to find our place in it. And you remember... Abraham and Sarah were given this promise that they would have a land of their own, that God would make this barren old couple into a great nation, and that he would use them to be a blessing to the whole world. But they wandered around a lot. Abraham made some really terrible choices that almost got them stuck in Egypt for a long time. They never really settled in one place. And then their kids had some of the same problems. Jealousy, rivalry, and conflict with each other. You know, uh, Abraham's grandson, Joseph, ended up as a slave in Egypt. Now, he rose and became second in command of all of Egypt and rescued his whole family. But then another pharaoh a few years later took his whole family and made them slaves. And they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. God didn't leave them there. He brought them out. He sent Moses to bring them out through the Red Sea to Mount Sinai to give them commands to shape their lives. And yet, while Moses was even up on top of the mountain the people turned away and worshipped other gods. But God didn't just wipe them out and start over. (laughs) He was faithful to His promise. He was with them through the wilderness. He brought them through the Jordan River into the promised land. But even in the promised land, things didn't go so well. They were fighting among themselves. They kept going through this pattern of You know, 
getting comfortable and settled and then forgetting about God, going their own way until they started getting attacked by all of their neighbors and they finally woke up and turned back to God for help and God delivered them. And it happened over and over again. And then they had kings who mostly made things worse. You know, they, they enslaved their own people. They uh, built up their own power and strength instead of following closely after God's heart. So in the midst of all of this, then God sent prophets to speak a word of warning to his people when they had gotten off track. But they also spoke a word of promise that all of the hardship, all of the exile that they ended up in would not be the last word. The prophets held out a vision of peace and hope, not only for Israel, but for all nations. Their hopes centered on the ultimate king to come, a descendant of King David who would be anointed with God's Spirit. They called this one that they were looking forward to the Messiah or the Christ. And the people waited and waited for someone to deliver them. Years later, a baby was born in Bethlehem, David's hometown. Jesus is the climax of the whole story of Israel. We study the entire Bible in Sunday school and Trinity and Confirmation in adult class because knowing the full story helps us know Jesus better. In Jesus, God began something new. He fulfilled his promises in a completely unexpected way. Like Israel in exile, he was cast away, overwhelmed with shame and suffering and death, and then he was brought out on the other side. God's plan to rescue the world from evil involved evil doing its worst to God's own Son. The power of evil spent its fury on the cross. The good shepherd went through the valley of the shadow of death to find his lost sheep. The shepherd has found you. Did you realize how lost you were? Every single one of us is lost and found at the same time, every day. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. Jesus says there is rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. Part of repentance is admitting that you've been lost and you've been found. God is making everything new, finding the lost and setting things right. And now you and I have a part to play. We get to help find others. While we wait for God's perfect kingdom to come in its fullness, everyone who follows Jesus gets to be an active part of the new creation, here and now. A new world has opened up, and we get to help make it happen. 
God calls all believers to join together in performing the music that He wrote at the very beginning. He calls us to live in harmony with Him, with each other, and with all of creation. Have you figured out what part God wants you to play in His Salvation Army band? Here's some ideas. First of all, learn the music. Learn about God's purposes for your life and the world. The study that we're beginning with our small groups and our sermon series next Sunday is called, What on Earth Am I Here For? What purposes does God have for my life? He calls us to study God's Word together. The more that you listen to the melody of what God is up to in the world, the more that Christ lives in you. Next, get to know the rest of the band. That's why we're restarting small group ministry, to help people meet one another, to live their lives together. As you grow in your relationships with others, you grow closer to God as well. Try out different instruments. Find out different ways of serving until you find the right match. Figure out what your gifts are and how you can best use them for God's purposes. Whether you're a leader or a follower, you have an important role in the band. Sometimes your role will change because God arranges the parts as He wants them. Along the way, don't worry about making mistakes as you play and serve. When you're, when you're playing with a band and you flub a little, everybody smiles a bit, but your wrong note is drowned out in the rest of the music. You laugh and learn. Then invite others to join the band. Invite them to be part of your small group, to come to worship, to come to Bible study, to participate in the hunger fight or other efforts to make the world better. Help them get involved in ministry and see what happens. And finally, follow the conductor. The Holy Spirit will teach you your part. He'll equip you with the gifts and the confidence that you need and direct you with the rest of the band. We get to be part of God's purposes, finding the lost and healing the world. So join the party. The music is going to be great. Amen.